God. Okay, we're in the Psalms this morning, uh, Psalm 139. I'm going to read from verse 1 for you. It's great to see you. You know, I, I love being in church, don't you? Last week I was with Dan and Joe and uh, Discovery Church down there. I think they've had a, h- a horde of people from Derby. Uh, the Hawleys were there last Sunday as well, and they heard me preach a sermon. I preached here. I said, you're going to hear an old one today. Um, but, you know, we had a great time just sharing the word down there. And uh, Discovery Church, Dan and Joe and Liz and Ed send their love. It's just good to see people being added to the church, the church growing, and uh, just life happening, isn't it? Isn't it great? There's something wonderful about being the people of God, you know, um, but being joined as the people of God. Do you know that? There's something wonderful about that. Hello. The Bible says that once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. You see, we've been joined together. There's something happened in us, and it's joined us to one another. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we live a bit too individually in this world, and it's all about me and God. No, friends, it's about us and God. It's a journey of faith that we share together. And, and God has joined us together. The Bible says he's put us together and joined us into his body, every part just as he wanted it to be. So look at the person next to you and say, oh, what a nice part you are. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it's, it's kind of like, you know, this. <laughs> some of the wives, that's the only compliment they're going to get this year. Do you know what I mean? It's like, um, it, it, it's that whole thing, you know. It's like, um, you know, we, we've got to understand that. We, we've got to live that. We've got to cherish it. We were just singing um, uh, that song, the words of that song. It's something like, man, never take, lose the wonder, wasn't it? Man, never lose the wonder of the mercy of God. Friends, that's so true for us. We mustn't lose the wonder of the mercy of God. It's so easy to just forget it, so easy to put it to one side, so easy to just uh, take it for granted. But God is working in us, and we've got to hold on to the wonder of God in our lives and in our situations. So we're reading from Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, Even darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious concerning me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Wow. I want to just focus on those two little verses at the end. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love the psalm, you know, and uh, when you come to this little verse at the end about search me, O God, you do that, the psalmist who's David does that on the basis of understanding and thinking about who God is. Because the rest of the psalm is all about who God is. It's all about how awesome he is, how wonderful he is. And you know, sometimes we don't activate ourselves enough to consider how great God is. We don't think about it. The Bible says, when I consider the works of your hands, when I consider who God is. And you know, sometimes we just uh, uh, don't meditate enough on the goodness and the greatness and the vastness of who God is for us. Hello? We, we just kind of like have this muted intellect, you know, and, and the only people who do it for us are the songwriters. The songwriters describe who God is for us. Christ alone, cornerstone, and we go, yeah, yeah, that's right. But friends, there needs to be something of a meditation in our hearts. There needs to be something of an understanding, of, of a waiting upon the Lord. Who is the Lord to you? Who is the Lord to you? Who is he? How can you describe him? When was the last time you meditated on the goodness of God? When was the last time you sat and thought about who God is in your life? When was the last time that you sat quietly and said, I'm going to be still and know that you are God, that you are bigger than me, that you are God over all the earth? You see, sometimes in our small-mindedness, we think of God just simply as someone who's slightly better than us. But the psalmist, he sits and he says, you know, God, where can I go from you? God, if I run to the far side of the sea, I find you there already. He says, even darkness will not be dark to you. He understands something about God. He has an understanding of who God is and what God reveals in his life and in the world around him. Friends, we have to increase our understanding of who God is. Why do we need to read the Old Testament with its revelation of God who is perhaps so different from the New Testament? Because it reveals to us aspects of God, of who he is, of what he is. Sometimes we just come so uh, um, timid, well, so kind of chummy into the presence of God. And the Bible says we should come boldly. But friends, when you understand that he is the one who holds it all together, friends, it changes how you come. When you understand that Christ is God in the flesh, it changes how you come. And, and the psalmist spends the, pre, all of it, really, apart from these last two verses, thinking about how wonderful God is. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to be. He says, I cannot understand all of who you are. Isn't that reassuring, friends? But he says, I'm going to consider who God is. See, some of you here today, and, and, we, and you're here and you've just got a small picture of who God is, and it distorts your view. See, your view of God will change how you worship him. Your view of God will change how you approach him. If you can have a high view of God, then it changes what you uh, seek him to do. Friends, can I even say it stops you from being over-familiar with him, and it makes you realize you come through the grace of God into his presence. What are your thoughts about God this morning? Who has any? Come on, I'm asking. Who is he to you? Yes. Come on. Yes. Amen. Come on. 
Just keep shouting. That's fine. Come on. That's right. The Bible, you know, God can hear all of us. He doesn't go, oh, shush, will you? I'm listening to them. We do, but he doesn't. Who else? (laughs) Come on. See, friends, either we believe this or we don't. The truth is, either we believe who God is and it changes everything, or we don't and it changes nothing. Come on. He's either... Come on. Amen. Amen. Oh, come on, we're getting noisy now. Come on, that's okay. See, friends, come on. I tell you, friends, he's who is altogether lovely. Amen. See, friends, when we understand it, when we meditate on it, see, see so often we, we just see God through our need. We've got to see God outside of our need and see God as he is. Because when we see God as he is, our need changes. See, the problem is if we just see God through our need, it's all about what God's going to do. But when we see God who, for who he is, it's all about him. We've elevated ourselves. That's why the Bible says, when I consider. That's why the word says, be still and know that I am God. He's not saying, you have to meditate, you have to have this moment. He says, fill yourself with a greater understanding of who God is. I want to encourage you this week, when you're at home, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying you have to do the daily quiet time. I'm not putting that on you. What I'm saying to you is, just take a minute sometime this week. It might just be a moment to just open your heart to God and say, God, you know what, when I think about who you are and about how you live in me, I find it amazing. And, and the psalmist goes on and he talks about God and he says, he says, he knows everything. He says, listen, um, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely. He says, God, you know everything about me. That's a statement right there. Friends, there is nothing about you that God does not know. There is nothing about you that God does not know, that God does not see. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the beginning and the end of your life. He sees it all. He sees the good and the bad he, and the ugly. And there's some of that in there. He sees it all. He knows us. He, he, he goes with us. He is everywhere present, omnipresent in the Bible. It says, you hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Where can I go if I flee from your presence? Where can I go? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. I want to say to you, my friends, there's never been a place where you've been out of the presence of God. Never been time. Even in the depths of your life. Even in the place where you felt nobody understood and knew God was there. And he could see. Even in the most climactic moment of your life where you felt that you were on the top of the world and nobody challenged you. God was there, friends. He saw it. You can't escape him. You can't flee from his presence. He is everywhere present. This is who God is. Listen, we're not here today just worshipping some kind of uh, image or some kind of uh, man-made idol, friends. We're here to lift up and, uh, and acknowledge and praise the living God. And we need to understand who God is. He is eternal. He's not created. He's not, he's not something that came into existence. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. That's who we're worshipping today. And, and we have to elevate and understand. He is all powerful. In him was life. And that life was the light of man. 
I love that. He says, even the darkness will not be dark to you, for the night will shine. You know, it's amazing how God comes, and by his power, he can just reveal himself in the affairs of men. He creates life. He says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Friends, see, we need to elevate our view of who God is. It needs to come a moment in our lives sometimes when we have to quieten ourselves and say, God, you see me, don't you? You see me just for who I am. Help me to see you. Prophet Isaiah said in the king that Uzziah died, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. See, when you have a revelation of God, it changes you. See, see, many of us are looking for some kind of experience. Friends, an experience isn't the same as a revelation. A revelation of God is so much greater than that. That I know him. The psalmist, David, he had a revelation and it stirred him and he began to sing this song of praise to God of who he was. He began to sing a song of praise to the Father about who he was. And right at the end of the psalm, David, after... after eloquently framing God, after eloquently describing who he was by, by the effects of his presence in his life, he then surrenders to the Lord and says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. These two verses are just a simple response to the God who knows everything and fills everything. And, and, and it's just a little uh, pointer for us, just a little, uh, he highlights just some areas of our lives that we need to make sure we bring to the Lord and allow the God who fills the universe to touch our lives. Four things. Firstly, our hearts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, I want to say to you this, the Lord knows your heart already. But there's something wonderful about God is that he's attracted to people who open their hearts to him. He, he looks for open-hearted people. He, you see, man, the Bible says, doesn't it, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. See, you can look right with God, but God knows you're not. Hello. You can look as if you're hungry for God, but God knows you're not. You can look as if you're doing the right things, but God knows your heart is not inclined towards him. See, that can happen. That happens in life, doesn't it? You ever get into a conversation uh, and somebody's talking to you and they're telling you uh, and you're looking at them and you're going, "Mm mm-hmm. And they're opening their heart and you're just shut down. Better still, have you ever been in a conversation where you're opening your heart and the other person, "Mm mm-hmm. We all know it, don't we? We know what it's like. People have to open their hearts. Friends, you can't have a friendship unless someone opens their hearts. It's horrible, isn't it? When you're trying to say to somebody, oh, and then it was really upsetting this happened, and they look at you going, mm-hmm. You want them to at least have some kind of warm-heartedness towards you. See, that's what God's looking for. The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. I want you to understand, God, what's within me. See, how many, how many of us are willing to say to the Lord, Lord, I want you to understand what's in me today. Search me, Lord. Know it. Know what makes me take. Know the motives of my heart. Yes, I know you know them already, but God, I'm inviting you. See, knowing hearts is about relationships. 
when you know someone's heart, it's because you've built connection with them. There are people in this room who maybe you don't know the hearts. You see them in church, you wave, you say hi, everything. You don't know the heart. It's easy, isn't it, when there's more than five of you to do that. But there are people in this room who know your heart. They know what makes you cross and what makes you uppity. It's a great word, isn't it? Uppity. Some uppity people whose hearts are just torn. That's why the Bible focuses so much. That's why it understands what the heart says. Purify my heart, God. Guard my heart, God. Soften my heart, God. Why? Because I want to be someone who overflows with uh, an openness to you. So the psalmist says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Know what is within me. There's something about surrendering ourselves to the Lord. About just being ourselves. Because sometimes we pretend to be something other than that, even with the Lord. Not my heart, God. Paul says to the Corinthians when he writes to them, he says, "Um, We have spoken freely to you and open wide our hearts to you. Now please open your hearts to us. Because you see, an open heart is a two-way street. And God longs to pour out his love and his life into you. He will reveal his heart. He did it through Jesus, and he'll do it through his interaction with you. But he says, open your hearts to us. Know what I'm like. You see, it's in your heart that you really find what is within you. Have you ever looked inside your heart and not like what you found? It's worse when somebody else does that, isn't it? Sometimes Julia says to me, I can't believe you even think like that. And I go, ooh, uh... Surprise! (laughs) It's in me. Something. Something sometimes is just not good, isn't it? And we have to challenge our thinking. We have to think that through and say, okay, God, I'm going to try and surrender to you. And Paul says, you need, uh, sorry, the psalmist says, Lord, know me. I open my heart to you. Search me. I mean, that's a big, strong thing to say to the Lord, isn't it? Search me, O Lord. See, if you're going to follow Jesus for any length of time, you need to come back to this scripture every now and again and say, search me, Lord. Search me, Lord, and know my heart. Secondly, he says, we need to surrender our thoughts to the Lord. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Listen, that's a strong statement. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Who wants to say that to the Lord today? You know, we want to say, oh God, I want to give you my anxious thoughts. Please take them away. Hello? The psalmist says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. What's he saying? He's saying, God, you see the things that are conflict areas in my life, in my trust with you. God, I want to overcome those things. Wow. How many of you know that's a strong statement? When you say, God, I I want to overcome those things. You see, our, our anxious thoughts, the Bible tells us, Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, through prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Wow, we all know the verse. What does it mean? It means we have to allow God to test our anxious thoughts. It means we have to come to God and say, Lord, I struggle to trust you in this area. God, please help me. See, we've all got areas where we struggle to trust God, don't we? Or is it just me? I was in uh, Dan's church last week. It was just me, trust me. Everybody else had no trouble at all, do you know what I mean? 
a bit like you lot this morning. We've got to come to that place where we're able to say, God, I know, Lord, it's an anxious thought. Lord, test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, I want to deal with the places where I don't trust you. I want to learn to trust you. I want to learn to put that right, Lord. I want to, I want to put that into a place where, Lord, you, I can know you. We all have those key areas of our lives where our beliefs are overwhelmed uh, or seek to overwhelm our faith, where the things that are going on, our circumstances, test us. And, you know, we all love to have faith, but we don't like it to be tested. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We all love to have faith and be people of faith, but all of a sudden it's tested. And the psalmist says, Lord, test me. And know my anxious thoughts. He says, listen, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. I wonder today, some of you are going to be tested. Or maybe even in the midst of tests. The Lord is allowing tests into your life. The Bible says he doesn't tempt us, but actually the Bible also says he tests us. He allows things to test us. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. Friends, he tests us. And all of a sudden we find that we're having to stand firm in our faith in the midst of situations that we wouldn't want to choose ourselves to be in. Hello. And our anxious thoughts start to overflow and we start to say, why God? Where, where God? Why? He says, come on, I need you to trust me. The prophet says in Isaiah, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. What's he saying? You will keep in perfect peace those whose thinking has been tested. Who have who've had the fight, that fight, and who have been steadfast in their thinking. I want you to know, friends, as we follow Jesus, there will always come a moment in our lives, and it won't just be once, but it'll be as we follow him, where our thinking will be tested. We thought this was going to happen, but this happened. Remember the disciples when they walked on the road to Emmaus, uh, and Jesus started to talk to them, and they said, oh, and he, Jesus said to them, why are you so downcast? He said, well, a prophet has been here, and he's been killed, but we had thought he was going to be the one. And what was happening in that moment was their thinking was being tested. Because they thought this was going to happen, and that happened instead. Friends, that is a test of our thinking. Hello. Friends, many of us can say, we've been through that, haven't we? I thought this was going to happen, Lord, and this happened. What's going on? It's a test of our thinking. God's goodness doesn't change because our path has altered. Hello. God doesn't stop loving us because the thing we thought was going to happen doesn't happen. That's our perspective. We need to give him a bigger perspective than that. And I recognize that he's working it through in us. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 3, Consider him. Again, think about it. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God says, listen, I know this stuff can be complicated. See, God understands us. He says, I know this can be tough, but I want you to think about it. Consider him. Consider Jesus who, who went through all of this and, and endured such opposition so you will not grow weary. Allow your mind, your thinking to be tested. Allow your anxious thoughts to be exposed. Allow that conflict to be resolved. See, if I'm honest, I don't want to do that. I just want everything to work perfectly from the first. Anybody else like that? Oh God, I just want this to happen. Thanks very much. I'd like to be thin tomorrow, Lord, please. Thank you very much. I've got so many things, Lord. I'd just like them to be sorted out. 
No, see, I'm a bit anxious about that, Lord. I'd like you to take that away. Does it remind you of when Paul begged for the thorn to be taken out of his side? And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. See, sometimes the answer of the Lord is not, I'm going to take it away. It's just, my grace is sufficient. Trust me. Trust me. Keep doing the right thing. As I talked to Zoki this morning, and he said, Dave, I'm just on my way out to church. I'm going to meet together and worship the Lord. I've got to trust him. And I thought, wow, that's grace being sufficient, isn't it? Because he's having to be tested in his faith. I'm not saying God brought that test. I'm just saying there are circumstances that bring tests into our lives. We've got to be willing to hold on. Thirdly, Sam says this, see if there be any wicked way or offensive way in me. He says, listen, you've got to, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to review your behavior every now and again. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, see, it's one thing to say, see, the Bible says this um, when we're about communion. We have communion at the end of the month. The Bible says when, in the passage of Corinthians 11 where it talks about that, it says, um, when a ma- let a man examine himself and then eat of the bread and the wine. In other words, we ought to test ourselves. We ought to direct ourselves. We ought to search ourselves and say, Lord, this, this is an offensive thing in me. And, and, and Lord, I, I, I repent of that and I'm going to take. You know, that's about keeping our relationship with God. But isn't that different to saying to somebody else, uh, see if you can find anything offensive in me? <laughs> I mean, you've got like, you to you gotta like and trust someone quite a lot to say that to them, haven't you? You know, I love Julia with all my heart. I know she loves me, but I'm not sure I'd say, so do you just want to give me a list of the things you don't like about me today, Jude? Because that could be a long list, couldn't it? Okay, you don't have to agree quite so hardly. <laughs> it could be a long list. See if there's any offensive way in me. The psalmist says, listen, Lord, I know if I'm going to really follow you and pursue you, I've got to allow you to speak to me about the things in my life that are wrong. I've got to allow you to find them because I've got used to some of the things in me. I quite like them. Have you ever noticed that we quite like some of the things in us that are not acceptable? There's some stuff in us that, 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 that builds up in our lives, some of our attitudes, some of our actions, some of our reactions, and all of a sudden we can justify them just by who we are. And we wouldn't even include them. I remember when I was, I've showed the story, but I was a youth leader many years ago. I had a lovely girl who was uh, on the youth team with me. And after about working with her for a year, I thought we had a great friendship. She came to me one day and just started crying. I thought, oh, how can I help? And basically she said, you can stop being you. She said, you're the most sarcastic, wicked person I've ever met in my life. I was like, I thought we were having fun. See, I was totally unaware of the effect I was having on her. And it was only when she said to me, you're horrid, that I was able to see the wicked way in me. <laughs> the offensive way in me. Now, did I mean to do that? No. But it was stuck and we had to resolve it. You know, and sometimes we need to say to the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want to deal with? See, sometimes we all want to deal with the things that are important to us. But sometimes God wants to deal with other things because they're rooted. The symptoms are rooted in some of the attitudes within us. When was the last time you said to the Lord, Lord, see if, you can, see if you can see any offensive way in me? See, we all live with things that we say, oh, that's just me. Hello. I used to love a lady in my, la- in my last church, and she prided herself on speaking the truth. It's the truth, isn't it? She would say, as she assassinated someone's character, 
it's the truth. And I said to her, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Not like a hammer to smash someone over the head with. Because come on, oh, that's just the way I am. And here it came, the pastoral moment. Stop it. That's offensive. How many of you know we really need to examine ourselves or other people might examine us? And the Bible says if you will allow the Lord to examine you and see if there's anything offensive in you, then he will enable you to move forward with him. See, it's all about relationship. If there's something offensive in you that separates you from him, then you're never going to really be that uh, close to him. It's about sensitivity. You know, it's a word I think we've forgotten, sensitivity to the Lord. We become insensitive. You see, we're not just going through the rituals here. This is not just about um, we come and we sing and we preach and we all you know, put something in the offering and then we go home and say, oh, we're Christians, friends. It's about sensitivity to the Lord, isn't it? The Lord's called us for more than that. That's why he says in the book of Revelation today, if you hear, uh, to hear what the Spirit is saying, listen. Have a sensitive ear to what the Spirit is saying. Because when you lose the sensitivity to what God is saying to you and about you, you know what? You become someone who's less than God's called you to be. What's the offensive way in you that God would come and speak to? What's the offensive way? I don't know about you, but just reading this verse begins to just touch my spirit, doesn't it? Touch you? See if there's any offensive way in me. And all of a sudden, you think about something that you do or something that you say or something that just makes you less sensitive to the presence of God. And you realize it's not about the big sins now. We're not talking about them. We're talking about the little things that destroy the relationship you have with the Father. It's offensive to him. Could it be that we need to present ourselves before the Lord today and allow him to see if there's anything in us that needs to change, that we might become who he wants us to be? And then finally, he calls us to make sure that our direction is his. Lead me in the way everlasting. We need to be followers of Jesus. You know, sometimes in our desire to be uh, achievers in life, we become driven and we become drivers and we're pushing forward and always, but we need to have the sensitivity I'm talking about. Lord, am I walking after you? Am I listening to your voice? Am I following you today? In the midst of everything that I have to do to push my business forward, to work, to look after my family, is there a sensitivity to you today that is just following you, that seeks to just be uh, walking in your way? The Bible says that we are uh, to keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with him. That, in other words, he walks with us through the life that we lead. I love this picture of journeying with God. I so much, so much more enjoy it, the fact that this week I can journey with the Lord, that, that on Wednesday, in the midst of everything that has to happen, I can know that the Lord is with me. And that, and that sometimes in the midst of that, he'll say, uh, this is what I want you to do, Dave. It doesn't mean that he'll, he'll tell me what to do in every situation, but it means that in the middle of me doing what I do, the Spirit of God speaks. And all of a sudden, you have a, a sense of his presence that's leading you in the way everlasting. 
I love life looking like that. The way of peace, the way of life, the ancient way, the way everlasting, walking with him. And God calls us to walk with him. We have to be careful not to reduce this walk of faith just to day after day, but the sense of his presence in our lives. But, you know, when um, Moses came to the uh, end of um, uh, the people of Israel and, and, and the, the Lord said, but time to move out, and, God said, and Moses said to the Lord, Lord, don't tell us to leave here if your presence doesn't go with us. Because it's your presence that changes us. It's your presence that gives this journey purpose. And, and you know, that's how we need to see our lives. I want to be led in the way everlasting. In the way everlasting. I want to be led in a way that leads to heaven. Uh, and that's what Paul says. I, I press on to take hold of that for which I've been called heavenwards. That's the way I want to walk. And it will lead me through all different types of shapes and experiences in this world. But I'm taking hold of the prize. I'm walking with him. I don't know if you've ever been on a walk sometimes. And I remember when I was a young lad walking on ahead of everybody else with my mate. And we walked on and on and we were, thought we were so big and grown up and we were out there ahead of everybody. And then we looked around and there was nobody there. <laughs> They'd all turned left about a mile back. And there was this bloke running up the road going, David, get back here. And I thought I was leading, but actually I was getting lost. So we had to walk the whole way back. And now we were right at the end with everybody going, Phew. You know what? A lot of us are like that with the Lord. Because there's no sensitivity. We're going, I'm going this way, Lord. I'm going this way. And we hear the Lord say, that's not the way. This is the way. But we just carry on. The Lord says, I want you to just come with me and learn to journey with me. It's not about the direction sometimes. It's about the journey. It's about walking with him. It's about knowing him. It's about enjoying him. So we see these key areas of our lives as disciples of Jesus. Our hearts. Lord, know my heart. How's your heart today? How's your heart today? How does it make you feel? Lord, know my heart. Search me, O God. Know me. How does it make you feel to allow the Lord of all creation, just to delve into your heart today and see the motives of your heart, see the things that maybe just surround you and, and have held you captive. The Lord says, I, I see them. What about your thoughts? What's your thinking about what God wants to do in you and through you? What's your thinking about who God is in spite of your circumstances? Maybe we need to refine our thinking today. What about our behavior? Are we allowing, willing to say, Lord, see if there's anything offensive in me? You know, it's so much better to deal with your stuff than to allow other people to deal with it. And the best place to deal with it is with the Lord. Lord, what's offensive in me? The Bible says we get consumed with the speck in other people's eyes when we fail to see the log in our own. So sometimes we just need to say to the Lord, Lord, would you search me, please? Would you see if there's something offensive in me, Lord? Because I don't want it to be there. I, I, I don't need other people to tell me. I need to remove it for myself. Is our direction good? Are we still following where he is leading?
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray.